Well, I definitely wasn't expecting that to happen. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode. And thank you, before I move any further, thank you so much for helping Locked on Nittany Lines get over 300 subscribers on YouTube. If you haven't already, please do that. Uh, let's let's set a new goal here, right? Before the uh, end of the year, before 2023, uh, let's try to get to 350 subscribers. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, and this channel is nothing without all of you. So thank you so much for watching, listening, if you get wherever you get your podcasts and liking and subscribing to the YouTube channel. So please tell your friends about it. Let's get to 350 by the end of the year. So something completely unexpected has happened here with Penn State in the bowl game. Uh, we're going to start off with that in this episode we're going to also discuss some recent news regarding Christian Veyer, Olu Fashionu, Joey Porter Jr., one of the latest players to announce a decision, uh, and definitely more to come in the next days, weeks or so. And it's never too late. Uh, it's a little bit past, and the takeaways are normally right after the game. But uh, since we haven't done that just yet, it's fair to give a few of them. I got four in my pocket that I want to share with you about Penn State's 35-16 to 16 win over Michigan State this past Saturday. And there's plenty of time in between the bowl game here, So, uh, especially with what we know. Okay, so let's get into that. Penn State is now number eight in the college football playoff ranking that came Tuesday night, and I think that's fair. I think that's fitting. I've seen a lot of discussions, a lot of arguments about Penn State. Should they be higher than Tennessee? Because, well, Tennessee lost to an unranked South Carolina team and they gave up 63 points to them. I totally get that. Now, that's the defense's fault. Uh, it doesn't help when you lose Hendon Hooker, who is your best quarterback, who is your Heisman candidate. Essentially, if he doesn't go down, I think he would have at least been one of the top guys to contend for it this year. Besides the point, the difference why I would rank Tennessee still higher than Penn State in the college football playoff rankings is the fact that Penn State doesn't have that signature win this year other than Purdue. Uh, we know what Auburn is, or at least what Auburn was when Brian Harson was the head coach. Cadillac Williams took over, and they were that much better. However, Penn State doesn't have those kinds of victories that Tennessee does. LSU, they beat Alabama. I mean, those are some good quality victories. Now, if Penn State had flipped it, they beat Ohio State, beat Michigan this year. But let's say, for example, lost to Purdue or lost to Auburn. Then, yeah, I, I would put Penn State above that. But they just they they won the games they were supposed to. They lost the games they were supposed to. But Tennessee does have the more iconic victories on their schedule. So that is why if you would ask the college football playoff committee, and, and I do have to agree, even though South Carolina did beat the snot, the ever living daylights out of the volunteers. So now this number eight spot, all but guarantees that Penn state is going to be in a new year six bowl. But this is where the twist comes in. This is the interesting news that I did not see coming. And frankly, unless you were an insider, I don't think anybody else saw this coming either. 
So experts were predicting that Penn State was going to go to the Cotton Bowl. Great. The Cotton Bowl all over again. Uh, that was a lot of fun playing against Memphis. But uh, this time they're predicting the Cotton Bowl against Tulane. Tulane out of all teams. Tulane. I don't, I don't want to play Tulane. I don't want to play a three-loss group five team. Now, let me not just throw Tulane right into the mix here. UCF could easily beat Tulane in the American Athletic Conference Championship and wind up in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I feel bad for the Cotton Bowl because they have the two at-large teams. They don't, they're not married to a conference. They can take whoever they want. Uh, but for some reason, they always get stuck with that group of five teams. So uh, whatever you... Cotton Bowl, uh, welcome to Lane and UCF with open arms, just not Penn State. But now there is news being reported. This was breaking as of yesterday. The Athletic uh, got a report that the Rose Bowl is actually considering taking Penn State. Now, how is that possible? If you've watched some of the previous episodes, that I, I've explained how the bowl situation works past the college football playoff committee. Uh, Penn State is going to be essentially drafted by a bowl committee, whoever gets to select first. Uh, so the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta, well, the Fiesta. So the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, since they aren't in the college football playoff this year, they get to pick some of these other teams. Nobody, the NCAA isn't out looking for like, well, we got to match up five versus six. And, and this team does uh, one thing very well. They're very good defensively. And this side is really good offensively. So we need to match them up. That's not what they look at. They look at how can we get butts and seats and how can we get eyeballs to TV and how can we get sponsorships? That's all that matters. Not like that's anything new. So this is coming from the athletic and it is being reported that Ohio state is actually urging the Rose bowl committee not to select them. If they do not make the college football playoff and actually move forward with Penn state, which I don't think the Rose bowl has a problem with. I think the Rose bowl would actually like Penn state because I'm going to say this here uh, from a in terms of numbers and financial, whatever, financial gain for the Rose Bowl. Penn State and Ohio State's fan bases are actually pretty equivalent. Both teams will travel well. Both teams are enthusiastic. Uh, and there's all this notoriety around the brand of Penn State football, around the brand of Ohio State football. So the Rose Bowl uh, also admitted that they are not particularly interested in, in Ohio state as well. So uh, it's both of them agreeing to part ways this year because the Rose bowl came out and said, well, we don't necessarily want to take a team that was here last year. And I briefly discussed that in the previous episode with Matt Freiler, Matty fresh. And we talked about how Penn state could actually be selected into the Rose bowl because they might not want to take Ohio state. So now the Buckeyes are saying, we don't want to go. They would much rather be picked by the Orange Bowl, not the Cotton Bowl. I think the uh, Orange Bowl will pick Ohio State when all said and done. And that will actually send Tennessee to the Cotton Bowl. So Penn State's going to go to Pasadena. Uh, but here's the other possibility as well. Michigan's going to make the college football playoff. We know that. However, they got to beat Purdue. I think even if they lose to Purdue, unless they lose 60 to nothing, let's just say for, for fun, for fun's sake, uh, Michigan will be in the college football playoff. But if Purdue happens to win the Big Ten championship, uh, according to agreements, I think that they're actually obligated to take the Boilermakers since they technically win the Big Ten conference outright. 
Uh, so Purdue would uh, get to go to the Rose Bowl and get to go out to California. Uh, and if Utah wins the Pac-12, they could go back to the Rose Bowl, even though they were the team there last year representing the Pac-12. The Rose Bowl has to take a Big Ten team and a Pac-12 team. And if the two conference championship winners happen to be Purdue or Utah, uh, well, congratulations. Uh, you guys uh, really get quite the matchup there. Now, if USC wins, Utah would not be in it. And this is where the Rose Bowl can actually pick essentially a Big Ten or a Pac-12 at large, and it would be Washington. So Penn State, as of right now, and what I'm guessing about the Michigan game versus Purdue, the Big Ten championship, and what I'm guessing, I think USC beats Utah this time around, even though Utah got the best of them the first time. I actually think that the Rose Bowl is going to go with Penn State and Washington as the matchup. I still personally want to see Penn State in the Orange Bowl. I want to see them play Clemson. I think that would be a great matchup. I think Manny Diaz would absolutely torment DJ Uwe Angalale and that offense, and Penn State would win that game. Plus, that is a huge recruiting battle down south and would win some of those smaller ones that you don't really see on the recruiting front. That would go over very well if Penn State were to beat Clemson in Miami at the Orange Bowl to cap off the 2022 season. They, they already played Washington in, in the Fiesta Bowl just a few years back. And I, I know that's, that's a high-profile matchup. You know, Washington's kind of in some discussion to potentially join the Big Ten down the road. Uh, so Penn State would pray, play them pretty regularly. But I don't know. You just played them a few years ago. It was like playing in the Cotton Bowl again. And Memphis, to me, is no different than Tulane. UCF is no different than Memphis from a few years back. Why would you want to go to the repeat bowl? So the exact same argument here, right? that we're using for Ohio state not to go to the Rose bowl and the Rose bowl, not to take Ohio state because they played there last year and everything else. Uh, but we're doing exactly just that with the cotton bowl for Penn state. Send my votes for the orange bowl. That has much better program implications, especially if they win, uh, they recruit already very well down in Florida and down South, but that would give them definitely a boost. But that is the big news that, the Rose Bowl is basically 99% there that they are going to take Penn State as opposed to Ohio State. And if Ohio State does get into the college football playoff, let's say TCU loses big time to Kansas State, let's say USC loses to Utah, Ohio State will be that fourth team, I think, maybe even the third team, depending on some of the results specifically. And Penn State, the Rose Bowl will absolutely have no choice. What Will they willingly take Purdue? Probably not. Uh, and they're definitely not going to take any of the other lower teams like a Maryland. Uh, they're nowhere near. Uh, it will be Penn State or bust for the Rose Bowl at that point in time. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for joining me wherever you get your podcasts or now on YouTube. If you are watching, when we come back, some big player decisions have been made. And they're going to keep on coming. And I'm going to explain how those decisions are made, how they're coordinated, and what's the latest with the guys like Christian Bayer, Olu Fashionu, Joey Porter Jr. now making his announcement. It is all coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer. And esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts.
My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on today's episode of Locked On Nittany Lions and making it your first listen today. Hey, for your second listen today, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And, and again, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel already, Please do uh, help the channel get to 350 subscribers before the end of the year, if you would be so kind. Uh, also, please, I, I want to hear from you. Leave uh, feedback in the comments section. Leave questions so that I can answer your questions on the show. Any predictions, uh, a position group that might need some help in the transfer portal. Uh, whatever you ask in the comments, I'm more than happy to answer it in some upcoming episodes. Okay, so, well, speaking of the transfer portal and some players, some key players making big decisions here for Penn State and how it's going to affect the team in 2023. We'll start with the quarterback, Christian Veyer. Uh, this did not surprise me. I don't think it surprised anyone. The second that Drew Aller was named the number two quarterback the week leading up to Purdue, I, I knew that Christian Veyer was going to enter the transfer portal. He's got three years left of eligibility. Uh, he moved to number three on the depth chart behind Drew and – if I'm Christian, and from what I showed in limited situations, right, with what we saw against Rutgers just last year, but Christian Veyer is now on the same timeline as Drew Aller. He's on the same timeline as Bo Prabula, right, with the additional eligibility. And why would you want to spend your time trying to battle it out for the next two to three years and, and wait for Drew Aller to move on and for something bad to happen, like him getting injured or just playing so horribly? I, I know that. Christian is a capable starter. I see him going to a group of five school. He can play in the Mac. He could, I think he could play even in the American athletic conference and start and be competitive. I don't know that I necessarily have a prediction for me. Old dominion makes a lot of sense. Ricky Ronnie's there. And I don't know if Ricky Ronnie specifically recruited Christian back when Christian was in high school up in Canada before he moved to the United States and went to school in Maryland, high school in Maryland. Um, but Ricky Ronnie was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. We all know that before he went to Old Dominion. So kind of makes a little sense. And uh, that's that's a fitting school in terms of talent level for Christian Bayer. And I think he could start right away. So I know that unless I don't know if Old Dominion has a quarterback on the depth chart next year, but if they don't, Ricky Ronnie and James Franklin are good friends. They're going to have a conversation about it. Uh, so just Kudos to Christian Veyer for working as hard as he did. You know, that's tough. Penn State brings in a five-star quarterback, and he's already gotten so much better over the course of a year. He appeared against Ohio, Auburn, and Maryland this past season, and the signature game, of course, was last year. I uh, remember that Saturday, November 20th, at that game. It was actually the flu game for Penn State, for those that remember, right? Uh, Sean Clifford and all these guys were in and out of the lineup, and Sean Clifford tried to give it a go, and they were just so sick. They were so sick, and we come to find out that half the team had the flu. Uh, and in that game, Christian was one of the lone healthy ones. 15-24, 235 passing yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, 10 carries for 36 rushing yards. Like, he can play ball, okay? And, and he's a tough, he's a very tough kid, and, and I like what he can provide as a leader, but Drew's better. I, I kind of was anticipating that Christian Bayer would be the quarterback after Sean Clifford, but then... They brought in Drew and they brought in Bo. And, and I think Bo Prabula could be a quality number two backup quarterback. Now, I do think that Penn State should actually consider trying to go out 
and get one of those fifth year graduate transfers that isn't necessarily looking to compete for a starting job, but would be a backup and can get their graduate degree at Penn state. So it'd be a very tight fit, but if they can find a veteran quarterback like that, I wouldn't blame them because right now your quarterback room is drew Aller, Bo Previula, Jackson Smolik. And between the three of them, you have two years of college football experience. So that's that's a little rough. And we've seen what inexperience does at the quarterback position for Penn State uh, if the starter happens to go down. Olu Fashionu made his decision. He's returning for the 2023 season. He is not going to go into the NFL draft. This, when you talk to the right people, this did not come as a surprise. And, and it helps having people that are around the Penn State football team or knowing former players, like, for example, Aeneas Hawkins. And you just you just talk to them and you say, you know, hey, what was it like playing with some of these guys? And, and they'll tell you. Olu Fashinu and the way that he was brought up with his family, this, this really matters to him. Getting a degree, get, finishing his education before he moves on to the NFL because he knows that there will be a life without the NFL at some point in time. I hope he has a fantastic career, but I think that Olu Fashnu understands that, you know, let me finish the degree and then go on to the NFL values education. And I've heard stories that Olu Fashnu just, when you talk to him about like, Hey, what's up, what's new, he's constantly talking about exams or classes or projects. So I find that he's very invested in his education and I like that that's very valuable to him. Olu kind of reminds me of a player like John Urschel that was at Penn State once upon a time and played guard, did go to the NFL, but retired because he's just so fluent in mathematics. He has peered review published studies when it comes to mathematics. And Olu is dedicated to his education. And that's all right with me. Now, this is huge because for more reasons than one, you're getting your best offensive lineman back. But when you think about it, Penn State could return its entire 2022 starting offensive line. Juice Scruggs and Caden Wallace can come back. You're going to have Sal Wormley back. Hunter Norzad already announced that he's returning. And you're going to have uh, you're gonna have Landon Tangwall come back from his injury, plus all the recruits that you're bringing in. And this is really something that we haven't had the chance to talk about for Penn State. This is an offensive line that could be its best group. And I'm already going to go ahead and say that, that Penn State and the offensive line next season, along with the running backs, are the best two position groups returning for 2023. That's not a stretch. This is the case in terms of depth. Like you're going to have a guy like Drew Shelton, who is a capable starter and can flip-flop. He can play left or right tackle, but I assume Caden Wallace will take over and regain the starting job at right tackle. But Penn State's offensive line, we haven't had the chance to say this in over a decade. The offensive line's the best group and one of the or one of the better ones at the very least on this team going into next year. It's refreshing to say, and it's Olu Fashionu, it's nice to have that blindside protection for Drew Aller as he gets his full-time starting. Uh, but as a reminder, Olu Fashionu is passing up a lot by not going into the NFL. Um, yes, NIL helps, but he's going to pass up a big paycheck because there were discussions that Olu Fashinu could go as high as top five, at least be the first offensive tackle taken because while he is young, but he's progressed so much and shown that he can handle the best edge rushers in the big 10 without any help. Uh, he was a guy that was definitely going to go in the top 10, maybe even the top five. And he is passing up a huge paycheck with the way the bargaining agreement is set up for top 10 draft picks. 
the last one and somebody that is going to forego the bowl game. And that is Joey Porter Jr. So what Olu Fashionu is not doing, Joey Porter Jr. is going to do. And that's no surprise. I actually commend Joey Porter Jr. a lot because he had appendicitis, missed a couple of games, and it was very surprising because nobody knew what happened until James Franklin was asked about it. But uh, Joey Porter Jr. is going to opt out of the bowl game. He shared a nice message on his social media. He did participate in senior day. So that means that this was it gonna, going to be it for him. But I, I appreciate the fight and the desire to get back on the field one last time because you didn't need that Michigan State game. He didn't need to play in that. We kind of knew that he was going to opt out to the out of the bowl as it was. So I didn't expect him to come back, but he did. And I think that shows that's just a very commendable trait that you would do that for your team and for yourself. Uh, he has the potential to go top 10 in next year's NFL draft. He's certainly going to be one of the first cornerbacks selected. Now, Pro Football Focus has him as the 34th best prospect uh, entirely. I'm not buying that. I think he's top 10, top 15 at the at the latest. Uh, but mock drafts do have him going top 10, and they actually have him going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, why is that important? Because that's where his dad played. That's where his dad was drafted. Joey Porter Sr. played in the NFL. Before he went to the Dolphins, he played for a long time with the Steelers. And how fitting would it be? And Joey Porter was also on Mike Tomlin's coaching staff, so I can easily see that happening if the Steelers have a high-up draft pick. And they might even trade up to go get him, and they definitely need secondary help. Uh, as a Steelers fan, I don't like to admit that now as much, but as a Steelers fan, they can use some help at cornerback, and it'd be nice to have Joey Porter Jr. One final thing I want to add about these player announcements is how they're coordinated, right? They seem so, they're so structured. They, they almost feel random, but they're not if you really pay attention closely. So the players that are ultimately making these decisions get together with James Franklin and they actually pick a day in the off season so that they don't. So each of them has the spotlight. So each of them has the recognition for what they're doing and they coordinate and they go day by day by day. You had Hunter Norzad announce a little early, but if you think about it, Olu Fashionu, Christian Veyer, Joey Porter Jr. All consecutively day by day by day. That's by design. And so it's simply so each player can have the spotlight. Uh, not sure what the order is going to be from here on out. It seems a little random. Go from offensive tackle to quarterback to cornerback. Parker Washington's going to announce his decision, I imagine, in the next coming days. Uh, Nick Tarburton, someone that could use his sixth year of eligibility and come back to Penn State, but he is getting looked at by NFL scouts. Uh, and then you have guys, the other guys that are going to enter the transfer portal. So they all get together and just basically whatever, draw straws or raise their hand and say, hey, I'll announce my decision on this day. And then the next person says that they want to do that as well. So I imagine that Olu and Christian Bayer wanted to announce their decisions early. So uh, there's there's really no no method to the madness, but it it is it is coordinated uh, and it is decided upon by the players in order so that they each have a day to announce it. It is locked on Nittany Lions. It's never too late. Some takeaways. I got four of them from the win over Michigan State. That is all coming up. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for tuning in on this episode, for listening wherever you get your podcast and watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already. Hit the notification bell so that you are alerted whenever I post new episodes. Takeaways from Michigan State, I have four of them. Penn State beating Michigan State 35-16. to 16. Uh, They really didn't pull away from Michigan State late. You had the nice touchdown pass to Keandre Lambert-Smith, but it still felt like the Spartans were able to hang around for a pretty long time. Nevertheless, 
Uh, four takeaways. Here's my first one. And it's for the Sean Clifford haters. Yes, Sean Clifford got the storybook ending that he deserved at Beaver Stadium. And I'm going to say that he deserved it. Okay. He, for all the injuries, for all the criticism, everything that he put up with, because at the end of the day, Sean Clifford wasn't a great quarterback, but he definitely was damn good. Right. How many other Big Ten quarterbacks would you take? CJ Stroud, JJ McCarthy. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that. But, Find me another quarterback in the Big Ten that is better than Sean Clifford. Find me a team that would not take Sean Clifford over C.J. Stroud, or that would take Sean Clifford above everybody else besides C.J. Stroud and J.J. McCarthy. Exactly. I'm pretty sure Minnesota would have liked him. Rutgers, Maryland maybe. They like Talia, but Sean Clifford's better than Talia. 19 of 24, 202 passing yards, four touchdowns, zero turnovers. Uh, the loyal fans did show up, and... That's why you had all the applause. I didn't really hear many boos uh, after the game. I, I thought, and the, the student section did look a little rough, um, but that's understandable with Thanksgiving break. And then for him to, I really enjoyed that post-game tunnel moment. And I know Sean Clifford did pumping up the crowd, hugging some fans before he ran off into the locker room. Like that's, that's what he needed. And this will make you feel old. Well, maybe it'll make Sean Clifford feel old. His first touchdown pass was in 2018 at Heinz Field, not Acrisure Stadium. Heinz Field came against Pitt, and it was to Brandon Polk. And cleanup time when Trace McSorley and the Nittany Lions just took care of business, ran the Pitt Panthers out of town. So Sean Clifford definitely did get the storybook finish uh, that he deserves, and now he's going to try his shot at the NFL, and he's going to play in that bowl game. There's no question about it. I'm surprised that was even up for debate. He still needs to try to help his draft stock in any which way possible uh, because he's either going to be a late day three pick or an undrafted free agent. Maybe he can play his way with some additional tape before any combine or any pro day workouts uh, where he can play his way into a seventh or sixth round pick. Penn State, now this is my second takeaway. Penn State has a run first identity now, and how could you not? The offensive line, despite losing Olu, despite losing Caden Wallace, despite losing Landon Tangwall, uh, they wanted to run the football. They wanted to control the time of possession. They wanted to impose their will against Michigan State, and they did. And why not when you have Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen and the offensive line to do it? Next year, you're going to have a total balance because Drew can fling it. And you're going to, but you're, what are you just not going to run it with Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, and what we're seeing? this offensive line coming together, the bands all back together next year. Uh, no Parker Washington also really changes the dynamic of the offense because as I've explained before, Parker Washington's injury is significant. And thank goodness they didn't have to play Ohio State or Michigan or just any tougher team because Parker Washington expands the football field with all the attention that you got to give him in the middle. That allows Penn State to do so much on the boundaries that they really can't do as much. And Mitchell Tinsley is now slid in to be that wide, wide receiver. And he's so, don't let the stats tell you otherwise. Mitchell Tinsley is one hell of a wide receiver. That's kind of a, a sub takeaway here with given the respect to Parker Washington. Mitchell Tinsley can, can do it all. He's dynamic. Uh, I think he'll get looks in the NFL as well, but he he's not going to be a superstar, but he understands the position. He understands the game of football, and he's very dynamic for his position. 
Also, why Penn State's gone to this run-first offense and run-heavy is because you have three capable tight ends and guys that you can bring on the field because you can leak them out of the backfield. You can use them in play action. They can block. Brenton Strange is the one of the best blockers. He's honestly probably better than some offensive linemen when it comes to blocking. He just takes opponents' souls when he's out there clearing off the edge for any of the running backs or sealing it off. Uh, so Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren, all of them showed that they're capable run blockers and you can use them in the passing game as well uh, as decoys when you go into 12 personnel with the two tight ends. Uh, so that's why Penn State and Mike Yersich, they're just using what what they have at their disposal. Uh, so but next year, you'll see more of a balance between Drew, the running game and, and any receiver. They do need to build up the receiving core. I will add that. Takeaway number three, and this is dependent on Manny Diaz coming back, but I think he will be back for another season. This defense can be even better next year, if you can believe that. Yes, Jair Brown's moving on. We don't know what Curtis Jacobs is going to do at this point in time, uh, late November, early December. He'll make his announcement soon, I imagine. But the defensive line is going to have Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, Deny Dennis Sutton, Zane Durant, Keziah Izzard, Defensive line is going to be either the same or better. I think Adisa Isaac will take that leap now that he's recovered fully from his injury. Zane Durant will break out and be a starter and Chop Robinson as well. Like you could have a dynamic duo on as, as edge rushers. Now linebacker is a question mark because you don't know what Curtis Jacobs is going to do, but you have Abdul Carter, who's as sound as anybody and given how much he's advanced in his freshman year. You have Kobe King, who got so much better in real time. You have Tyler Elsden, the veteran, who's coming back. So maybe that's your starting three if Curtis Jacobs isn't around. But Tony Rojas is coming in. And frankly, I could see Tony Rojas getting some serious playing time. Maybe not at that off-ball linebacker position because that's where Abdul Carter is, but maybe that weak side linebacker where Jonathan Sutherland started out. They might need a guy there, and Tony Rojas is an instant impact player. He could be that next in that next line. Uh, unfortunately, number 11's taken up, but he certainly could deserve to wear it at some point in time. And then the defensive backs. Kalen King, Jalen Reed, Zach Key Wheatley, Keaton Ellis, Johnny Dixon. All these guys are capable starters. They got some depth. They have all these top recruits coming in. They have about five guys that could play right away, too. That, that's crazy to think that Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter are having all the success uh, on the recruiting front when it comes to uh, how they can get guys from in the defensive backfield. And Kalen King, Joey Porter Jr. got all the recognition, was first team all Big Ten. Kalen King led the nation in pass breakups, tied for first with 18 of them. Like He had better stats than Joey Porter Jr., and he was just as locked down. Uh, so this secondary is going to be just as quality, if not better, in 2023. My last takeaway, and this is where we will finish up the episode, I, it's disappointing because we will never know how good this Penn State football team actually was in 2022. I'm not taking away from their number eight spot, but this might also just have to do it with the fact that they didn't play anybody this year. They there were The only games that had any juice were Ohio State, Michigan, and of course, Purdue, because that was the season opener. But there wasn't another game that necessarily measured how quality of a team this was. Maryland, you, you got a read on them, but there was just never another game that challenged them. Auburn was a disappointment. Minnesota, Indiana, 
even Michigan State, like all these teams just kind of rolled over for Penn State. Maybe Penn State was just that dominant, but I, I hate that they're in this second tier in the Big Ten where it's Ohio State, Michigan, and then you have Penn State all alone in the second category. So uh, they weren't good enough to vault themselves into that conversation with Ohio State and Michigan. Could be next year. Uh, time will tell. But uh, Penn State, I just wish they had another game like a Purdue, somebody that would have challenged them a little better. Maybe Illinois uh, should have been on the schedule. And that's just the way that everything unfolded. But it's why I want them to face a Clemson team in the Orange Bowl, because then we can get a better understanding of what this Penn State team was capable of. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. You can follow my personal account at Zach underscore Seiko. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the bell for notifications. Comment any feedback, any questions you want me to answer in upcoming episodes. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. We're going to talk some Big Ten recognition for the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, all the players that were nominated for the first, second, third team and honorable mentions. And I got a bone to pick with the coaches in the media that had these votes. It's Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.